it's impossible not to acknowledge how insignificant your problems are when you're driving home after seeing a patient fighting for their life, seeing all the sadness that just one sickness can cause, seeing a family cry, seeing relatives cry, friends cry, and the realisation that they would all happily swap your problem of a scratched iPhone screen for the health of their family member in less time than it would take for you to even blink. This realisation makes it really hard not to feel like a terrible person. Welcome to Doctor's View with me, Dr. Bolivios. Join me as I discuss everyday topics in health and medicine and provide insights into everyday hospital life. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to A Doctor's View. I'm Dr. Bolivios. It's hard to start a medical podcast this year without first talking about the recent nursing strikes in the NHS. So why are the nurses striking? Well, when you look at the average pay for nurses in the UK at face value, you may be thinking that the pay is acceptable and cannot really understand why this would warrant a strike. Well, there are two reasons why the pay is not acceptable. Firstly, the NHS staff have had a pay freeze lasting over a decade. And whilst the amount of cash nurses take home has increased over the years, the amount this actually buys has decreased substantially. So with the current levels of inflation, some nursing bands can see a real-world pay cut of up to about 32% compared to, say, 10 years ago. The current pay levels are well below the values of inflation. And when you consider the fact that the politicians in the UK have had a substantial pay rise over the years, taking them comfortably above the levels of inflation, you can see why nurses and healthcare workers are somewhat annoyed, to say the least. The second reason is one that can't really be quantified with just numbers. And that is what a typical nurse must go through each day and the number of hours a nurse must must work to earn their salary. And the same is true of paramedics and ambulance crew who have also recently went on strike as well. So understandably, there is division amongst the public. Some are in support, while some are angry. And I can understand the anger. Having a surgery cancelled or a clinic appointment cancelled is not a small thing. The frustration and difficulty it can cause is absolutely immeasurable. But believe me, Nursing unwell patients, people who cannot help themselves, requires superhuman resilience. Patience and a level of compassion and selflessness that is really very hard to find. Just ask yourself how much you would charge to change the vomit-coloured bedsheets of a stranger or to clean up someone after going to the toilet or to have to calm down a frightened patient who has dementia or to bear the brunt of angry relatives whilst they're trying to provide medical care, administer medications, administer CPR when someone's heart has stopped and to be a shoulder to cry on when a tragedy takes place. And then realise that these are all things that could easily happen in one night shift. And coupled with the fact that you're working nights, weekends, bank holidays, often missing birthdays, Christmases, family gatherings, all while being short-staffed and having to take the role of two or three nurses during a shift. And just ask yourself again, how much would you charge for that? Well, I promise you, nurses are earning a fraction of this. All this, and at the end of the month, you barely take home enough to cover the cost of basic living, and often not even that. This is why nurses and ambulance staff are striking. 
And please don't for one moment think that they want to be. The type of person to do all these things I've mentioned and more does not generally have the attributes of someone who wants to go on strike in a healthcare setting. So to those who are angry, please understand that nurses and healthcare workers are not robots. They are human too. So please support them. On the note of being human and working in a hospital, this fits nicely in with what I'd actually planned on talking about, and that is perfectionism. Perfectionism in medicine and the skewed views. So when our human side meets our robotic side. I'll start with reflection. We have to reflect a lot in medicine. We have to write personal reflections for the powers that be to allow us to progress in our careers. And for those who are regular listeners to my podcast and my sincerest apologies for not publishing in such a long time, you'll probably have noticed that as well as me trying to provide an informative and educational show, my podcasts are a way of personally reflecting, not just for the everyday challenges that medicine provides, but also life as well. I used the time behind the microphone to think about a lot of the struggles that I've faced in the previous week, or quite often things that have happened months before, but have crept their way into my recent thoughts. What might not be obvious is that in return for receiving an informative and I hope sometimes entertaining show, you as a listener are providing actually me with some form of therapy. By sharing my thoughts with a number of people, it feels like my thoughts have more meaning and as such might not be as ridiculous as my inner voice might suggest. So the last few weeks have been difficult with regards to seeing young fit patients going through really life-changing acute illnesses, sometimes following really innocuous injuries that you would never have thought would result in such a severe condition. A scratch or a bite, for example, resulting in severe infection or sepsis. I've been involved in in the care of patients who have required extensive stays on intensive care, on life support, who 24 hours previously were just living completely normal, healthy lives. And in some of these cases, the patients were young, with families, often younger than me. And seeing the look on the family's faces as they tell their sick relative how much they love them, uh, as they're being wheeled on a bed into the operating theatre is really quite difficult sometimes no matter how cold or thick-skinned you think you are there will always be a part of you that feels very sad even more so when that patient could really easily be you or someone you know in some of these cases I actually find myself wondering whether we're actually helping them are they going to survive and sometimes sadly I do wonder if there is a certain futility to the treatment that we're proposing. But when you're faced with a young, previously fit and well patient in the prime of their life, there's really very little that medics won't try to give a patient a chance. They, they, they would do everything and we do do everything. There are often instances when saving a life comes at a cost. So for example, amputating a limb in a young patient because if it's not done, they'll be dead from gangrene in a really very short space of time. So why am I talking about this in a podcast called Perfectionism? Well, this is where being a perfectionist makes for some very hard reflection when thinking about all the tragedies that I see on a day-to-day basis. 
So sometimes a scratch on my laptop or a tiny dent in my car or my iCloud not syncing properly can absolutely dominate my thoughts. I can actually obsess for days over a very small cosmetic blemish or a computer glitch. And this can make it very, very difficult for me to concentrate on anything else in my spare time. I want everything to look and function perfectly. And whilst this personality trait is useful for certain things such as work where I want to do my job perfectly, for example, make sure each cannulation or intubation is perfect, or even just to make sure that my anaesthetic chart is written neatly, legibly and filled in correctly. In day-to-day life, perfectionism can make even the simple tasks really difficult, as using my free time to polish out a scratch or trying to get my airdrop to work can actually just stop me from doing things that are far, far more productive. And perfectionism, I believe, also contributes to my procrastination, as I believe there is an inherent fear of starting something because I don't believe that the outcome will be a perfect one. And we all know the person who thinks, what's the worst that can happen? And before you know it, they've destroyed their kitchen with a sledgehammer because they want to try and make the secondhand kitchen cupboards they bought off Facebook Marketplace fit. And well, if it doesn't, who cares? No harm done. They'll just deal with the problem when they want to actually go and try and cook something or when they become hungry. Me, myself, I am not this person. I will think through every situation carefully. I will try and limit the destruction as much as possible and essentially end up with what I believe to be a perfect result. The downside to this is things happen very slowly. Very little happens quickly and sometimes very little happens at all. And this is difficult at times. I know that my perfectionism leads to a lack of productivity. It's also one of the reasons why there can be such a long time between my podcast episodes. I've actually recorded and edited a few episodes that I haven't published to you all because I don't feel that they would do well or something wasn't quite right. Maybe that's why I like building large Lego Technic models so much because I know if I just follow the instructions, the results will be perfect. So when researching perfectionism, some researchers say that there are two different paths that perfectionism can take you. There is the healthy perfectionist where you challenge yourself and if you fail, you learn from your mistakes. Then there is the maladaptive perfectionist. This is where you set yourself extremely high and unrealistic goals. And when you fail, you either become obsessed and try even harder or you avoid the activity altogether. And this becomes the more destructive form of perfectionism. Now, I'm not in any way a psychologist by any means, and I'm sure that psychoanalyzing oneself does not produce the most productive or accurate diagnosis, but I would definitely consider myself as the more maladaptive perfectionist. And studies have demonstrated that perfectionists are far more self-critical, and they're therefore far more likely to experience depression and burnout. And there's also a link between perfectionism and suicidal ideation. And sadly, with the rise of 
TikTok, Instagram and other social media platforms that portray incredibly unrealistic lifestyles. Perfectionism amongst teenage year group is on the rise. And it affects those who have the more self-critical perfectionism the most. I was reading a, a BBC article from 2018 by Amanda Ruggeri, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, about perfectionism whilst I was researching um, a little bit about this episode. And she says in the article, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, um, that the researchers say that healthy perfectionism factors like striving for excellence, they aren't actually perfectionism factors. They're just conscientiousness factors. And that perfectionism isn't defined by working hard or setting goals. It's that critical inner voice. It's it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant article and I'll, I'll link it in the podcast description. So what she's trying to say is that people that say that they're perfectionists and, um, you know, don't stop until something's perfect and they do, they work really hard to make sure something's right. They're not necessarily perfectionists. The, it, it, so essentially it's the more destructive perfectionism that we spoke about earlier. That is the true perfectionist, that kind of no, no, nothing is perfect enough almost. And uh, it can be quite debilitating. So however true the REM lyric of carry each his burden from the song these days, brilliant song by the way, is, and it's impossible not to acknowledge how insignificant your problems are when you're driving home after seeing a patient fighting for their life, seeing all the sadness that just one sickness can cause seeing a family cry, seeing relatives cry, friends cry, and the realisation that they would all happily swap your problem of a scratched iPhone screen for the health of their family member in less time than it would take for you to even blink. This realisation makes it really hard not to feel like a terrible person. And this thought does sometimes keep me up at night, wondering what it would take for me to care less about things that just don't really matter. Is it just a quirk? Is it selfishness? Is it just being shallow? Or is it just a symptom of being a perfectionist? And I was feeling quite guilty about worrying about my so-called problems. And I had to try and come up with some theories to try and make me feel just that little bit better about it all. Medics do have a skewed view on what constitutes a normal day. There are days where you see people die. There are days where you see a young person having a leg amputated. In the operating theatre, we see people's abdomens opened up on a nearly daily basis to relieve an obstruction or a tumour. And there are days where patients are vomiting so much blood that they are just struggling to replace it fast enough. Sometimes there are cases where you see entire regions of skin being removed because it's become necrotic or dead, and the resultant scenes are nothing short of something you would see in a horror film. And I honestly believe that if you took someone off the street and they just suddenly saw the scenes that the medical staff see on a typical day, it would leave them with insomnia for months and nightmares that would take a very long time to forget. And yet pretty much every doctor or healthcare worker I've ever met forgets about what they've just seen or what they had to deal with in almost as, almost as quickly as the patient presented to them. 
We just drive home, we listen to a podcast, we have dinner, we watch some Netflix, we go to bed, wake up, have breakfast and start a new day. And often the scenes I've described are even happening overnight whilst everyone else is sound asleep. It's not a normal job. And I'm not even the one doing the things like the surgery. But we make it our normal. So our normal becomes somewhat skewed. So maybe I've become less human and I don't think about tragedy in the same way before. Or perhaps, just perhaps, focusing on the problems that might seem insignificant are a form of protective mechanism so that we don't think about the terrible things that we as medics are often subjected to. Because if we carried home the tragedies of everyday hospital life and didn't allow the insignificant problems to distract us, I feel that that might be equally unhealthy. Well, at least that's what I tell myself. And with that, I will leave you. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave a like and some feedback on your podcasting app. It's always appreciated. And as always, please look after yourself. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Goodbye.